good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. You're listening today to the second part of a message on the subject of the Christian, the Gospel, and depression. If you'd like to receive the full, unedited version, please contact us at malvernfpc at yahoo.com. You can also obtain the full message by going to sermonaudio.com forward slash malvern. Hope you find the message to be a blessing to your soul. Let's read the Psalm 42 and the verse number one, the title to the chief musician, Maskell for the sons of Korah. As the heart panteth for the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I poured out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise for the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep, but the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As of the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. One thing I want to say at the very, very beginning is this. And that is that depression is a very painful condition. If you like, depression hurts. No less a man than Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher in London, said this, expressing his own trials, I could weep by the hour like a child, and yet I knew not what I wept for. You think the psalmist, the Psalm 42, verse 3, my tears have been my meat day and night. Spurgeon goes on to say this, the iron bolt mysteriously fastens the door of hope and all holds our spirits in gloomy prison. Depression hurts. There are some who sadly and tragically will suffer from deep, persistent, Yes, even chronic symptoms of depression. This was something that will not last for a day. It will not last for a few days. This will continue to last for, for weeks, months, 
and even longer at times. We are dealing with a situation here that has got a, a spectrum of its seriousness. But at its core, perhaps if I could put one word across it all, it is a feeling of hopelessness. Spurgeon used that term. He described the iron bolt that fastened what the door, the door of hope. Life not being worth living. A feeling of personal worthlessness alongside this idea of, of a low mood. So to begin with that, let's think about encountering depression. You see, to get to grips with the subject, or even to get to grips with how we can help others, we need to think about some of the potential causes. You see, the symptoms of depression occur in various settings in life. The psalmist asks with poignancy, Psalm 42, verse 5, verse 42, verse 11, verse 43, verse 5, why? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And thus, when you think about these matters of encountering depression, I want to divide it into two areas. I want to first of all think about areas where there is, if you like, an obvious cause. And then we'll come to think of areas where there may not be such an obvious cause. And the first thing I must say is that the experience of depression can result from conviction of sin. What hope is there for such a soul? That is, of course, again, the hope of the gospel in Christ. Christ came, and by his blood, he's able to purge the guilty conscience from every stain of sin, whereby those who suffer this way, a cast-down soul, as a result of conviction of sin, they suffer this way. Their eyes are lifted up to behold the man of Calvary. And when they see him, they find what? They find joy and peace. Joy evermore in the gospel. God may, in his mercy, give them a troubled spirit that they would seek his grace and his hope. There is, young people, there is no lasting joy in the sins of this world. So, these obvious causes, it may be as a result of conviction of sin. But in the second place, it may be a reaction to life's troubles. To life's troubles and to life's disappointments. We can lose our peace. Our hearts, in the language of John 14, can be troubled and can be afraid. And thus, we must cling on to the promise of the Word of God. You take the likes of Psalm 55 and the verse number 22. Cast thy burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall not suffer the righteous to be moved. So there are these events, this reactive depression, if you like, whereby we respond in a negative fashion to life's troubles and disappointments. The third area of these sort of more obvious causes is that depression can occur alongside another physical illness. It has been noted that depression will often come alongside, if you like, a cancer diagnosis. Depression itself can be a symptom of an underactive thyroid. Your thyroid gland in your, in your neck producing thyroxin. If your thyroid is underactive, you can have depressive symptoms. And sometimes people are diagnosed with underactive thyroid disease because they come and feel depressed. And so there are these physical illnesses. Heart disease. Cancer, one of the most difficult occasions is to find depression occurring in the mother of a newborn. It doesn't seem to make any sense. 
You find mothers who are very, very capable, who are not struggling with the raising of the child. The child is beautiful, and they look at the child, and all is well, but what they experience are symptoms of deep depression. And again, it's a reminder to us that there are physical components in our lives that may have an impact upon our mental well-being, and we should not close ourselves out to such things. The church must not be callous towards those who suffer in such a way. If depression arises in these situations, it is vital that appropriate medical help is sought out. Having thought about some of these obvious causes, there are those, and they can find no obvious cause. A soul that finds themselves in depression that cannot be explained. A person who may in all sincerity say, I have no idea why I feel this way. It opens up the area of depression being an illness in itself. I understand this is controversial perhaps in, in some areas of evangelical thoughts. The idea of having a depressive illness and, and not being an illness in itself, can that really be right? We must remember that the brain inside your head, you've all got one, the brain inside your head is a physical organ. It is not your soul. I say that because a day will come, uh, as long as Christ tarries, whereby you will be buried in the ground and your brain buried with you, but your soul will live on. So therefore you have a, you have a brain, a physical organ, that like every other organ in the body is subject to the effects of the fall. And therefore, as a Christian body, we have no trouble accepting the presence of things like Alzheimer's disease or Parkinsonism. But for some reason, when you bring depression into the church, people refuse to accept that that may be an organic illness within somebody's physical brain. For some reason, we find that hard to accept. And I think one of the reasons is that there is this overlap with symptoms regarding conviction of sin. But the brain is clearly affected in various illnesses. And therefore the brain is subject to the fall. Now I have not said tonight that this is the only cause of depression. I spent a good number of minutes already explaining to you that there are these various reasons and various causes. But having allowed all those, I don't think we should close our minds to the idea that someone can be ill, mentally ill, and depression be what they suffer from. It is clear. You even take the situation of Elijah we have before us in 1 Kings 19, that part of Elijah's problem were physical. He needed a good sleep and a good meal. And then God corrected his thinking. And so there is perhaps... An occasion whereby depression may be an illness. There is one other area I want to acknowledge. And that is the potential for a spiritual depression under the sovereign hand of God. Depression not due to personal sin. Depression not due to an illness of our organic body. But depression due to the Lord withdrawing himself. Our confession of faith in chapter 18, verse 9, reads this. 
True believers may have the assurance of their salvation, divers or various ways shaken, diminished, and intermitted. The confession here dealing with issue of assurance. But I want to show you the ways in which the confession says assurance may be affected. It may be affected by negligence. Of course, we may not preserve our assurance. It may be affected by falling into some special sin, which wounds the conscience and grieves the spirit. It may be affected by some sudden or vehement temptation or trial. Or it may, and this is what they put, it may be affected by God withdrawing the light of his countenance and suffering even such as fear him to walk in darkness and to have no light. That's a direct quotation of Isaiah 50 and the verse number 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. What's happening here is that God has allowed some to walk in darkness and have no light for his own sovereign purpose. That is an area that is largely neglected in modern Christian thinking on the subject of depression. That God may allow us to come to a point where we feel darkness and not light so that we would run to him and trust in him and fall upon him and stay upon our God. In the mysteries of God's province, such could indeed happen. Now this is a very brief overview. But I want to remind you that the complexity shows that we must take time and care in teasing out the trouble in those who are suffering in order that we might help them. The interaction of body and soul, the never dying soul, a body under the fall, all of these things, they come together. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And as others suffer around us, we must make sure we have compassion toward them. Of all maladies, this claims most compassion and receives the least. And thus, as I open up the complexity of the situation, I want to simply warn you all that if you happen to deal with a depressed soul in your own environment, please do not say to them, you have no reason to feel that way. You may grievously wound the wounded and bury the living. Those involved in caring for suffering friends and family members need great patience. It can be infuriating to see those you love unable to get on with life. I tell you, I urge you, I urge you as a pastor of God's flock here, please ensure that of all things you know the gentleness of Christ. And you are compassionate towards those who suffer. And even those who are guilty of sin. Even those who are guilty of responding in a sinful way to providence. Please make sure you handle them with care. And you treat them with great compassion and great sympathy. So that's somewhat an overview regarding the matter of encountering depression. But as we close tonight, I want to think about an escape from depression. Because in all I've said, I would not want you to feel that there is no hope. We're dealing with the issue of hopelessness, aren't we? And here we have in the psalmist, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquiet within me? Hope. 
hope in God. You see, when you actually study the Word of God, you, you see within the Scripture itself the truth that sorrow and joy can coexist. We don't, we don't get this because for the modern man, happiness is the same as joy when it's not. Our blessed Savior, that he, he had no joy like any others. And yet he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You turn quickly to 1 Peter chapter 1. I don't have time to spend much time on this situation, but I just want to make the point that sorrow and joy are not mutually exclusive. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice. There's a coming day of salvation. You rejoice in this. Though now for a season of need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Heaviness at the same time as rejoicing in the coming hope. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice. We are to weep with those who weep. Our joy can be constant if it's found in the Lord, even though at times we go through bouts of sorrow and even depression. The Christian must endeavor to keep their eyes on Christ and on his word. They must endeavor to have their hope in his work. He came to heal the broken and hearted. And the ultimate hope, the ultimate hope for those in melancholy is the truth of Revelation 21. There will be no more tears. There will be a day, dear depressed soul, where there will be no more tears. You see, for some, life is a near constant battle with depression. Spurgeon suffered for virtually all his adult life with these bouts of deep depression. Multiple reasons for it, of course, but he suffered continually with these bouts of depression. Spurgeon. And so there are those whose ultimate hope is the no more tears of glory. You see, when we reflect upon the cause of depression, we should acknowledge that there may be the occasion to go and see a good doctor. It may be necessary to explore the issue of Oh, physical and mental illness with a, with a good doctor. And if you can find a good Christian doctor, all the best. Someone who will understand the, the nature of our humanity and its sinfulness and depravity, uh, and yet also appreciate the fact that there can be illness. But when the believer is confronted with depression, they must learn to apply the gospel. Whatever the reasons may be, whatever the cause may be, we must learn to apply the gospel. Secular counseling is often promoted for the treatment of depression, but the Christian will fear the influence of ungodly man, but rather will cherish the application of the gospel to their souls. And so whatever the cause may be, the Christian will delight in getting back to the word of God. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, again the physician in London, the early part in the 1900s, he became a preacher. He wrote a book called Spiritual, Spiritual Depression. The first chapter is on this psalm, the Psalm 42 in the verse 11. He says this, Now this man's treatment was this. Please listen. Instead of allowing himself to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Can you think that through? For the depressed soul, they spend their time listening to themselves. They get up in the morning and they look in the mirror 
And the mirror talks to them continually. You are worthless. Life is not worth living. There is no longer any hope. This shows you all your problems. Your mirror speaks to you as it, as it were. And it says to you, you have this family issue. You have this work issue. You have this church issue. Whatever it might be. And you're bombarded by listening to yourself. But the psalmist says, My soul, hope in God. You see what's happening there? He's beginning to talk to himself. So the man in front of the mirror and I'm just using picture language, he starts talking to the murderer and says, be still, be quiet. Let me talk to you. For rather than listening to my problems, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to hope in God. And that is what the child of God will do. Three words regarding this matter of hoping in God and then we'll say amen. There is a word of direction. When the psalmist says hope in God, his direction changes from being inward looking to being outward looking. Hope in God. God who made your mind. God who made you in all of your complexity is able to heal. He's the one who understands you. And if it is not his will to heal you, he is able to give you the grace to sustain you. Hope in God. His grace is sufficient. His ability is unending. Hope in God. Direction. From the second place, there is the word exertion. Hopelessness often leads to inactivity. The depressed soul, they find themselves also often in a place of inactivity. We can feel there is no hope. We can feel we can do nothing. Nothing we're able to do to help ourselves. The psalmist tells himself, no, I'm going to be active. I'm going to hope in God. Which leads to the third word, application. Application of the truth of God to your souls. Hope in God because God is the God of hope. To hope here, hope in God, verse 5 of chapter 30 or Psalm 43. Hope in God is to wait patiently and expectantly on God. Psalm 130 in the verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Let Israel hope in the Lord. We hope in God because of what God will do for us. And that hope looks to the future. There is hope in the gospel. You turn over please to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 verse 12. Rejoicing. In hope. Titus chapter 1 verse 22 says this. In hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 reminds us that we are begotten again unto a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans 15. You could turn there. Romans 15. And the verse number 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Joy, peace, and hope all together. How come? Verse number 4 of chapter 15. Comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. So what are we to do in our sorrows and in our depression? We are to realize that if we are to truly hope, we need the miracle of the rebirth. We need to be reborn unto hope. 
born anew, begotten again unto a lively hope. There is no hope for those who are without God, without God and without hope in this world. And thus our true hope comes in the miracle of the regenerating grace of God and we're born again unto a lively hope. Reborn unto hope. So that we rejoice in hope. In hope of eternal life. We have an expectation that life is not hopeless. We are not worthless. Life is worth living. Because we know hope. A future certain expectation of glory. We are reborn unto hope. We rejoice in hope. We are to read for hope. We are to get into the Word of God. We're to read the Scriptures to glean the comfort and the promises of the Word of God that we would read and therefore hope. Because one day, praise God, we will all rest in that hope. Those who are born again of the Spirit of God, those whose eyes are towards Calvary and the finished work of our Savior, the hope of eternal life. It is by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so, dear discouraged soul, whatever the cause may be for your discouragement and your depression, however long you may have to suffer that affliction, we all must fight the good fight of faith. And that's what this is. Whenever you begin to listen to yourself, get out the Word of God and start talking to yourself. And said, I am reborn unto a lively hope. I can rest in that hope. I can rejoice in that hope. And I'm going to read about that hope. You get in the Word and you get in prayer. And you fight the good fight of faith. No matter the cause, no matter the length, no matter the depth, you must get on and fight the good fight of faith. And I believe in such occasions God will be pleased to bless your exertion as you change your direction away from yourself to God and apply the Word of God to your soul. May God help us in this area. And may He bless His Word to your souls tonight. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.